The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hi, everybody. This is pro wrestling legend Jim Cornette, and you're listening to The Rough House. The opinions expressed in The Rough House podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast courtesy of the Realm Network here at the Rough House where black people and white people watch wrestling and Hispanic people too and all people. It's, it's a lot to, to deal with the fact that like every other day, Dave Meltzer mumbles onto a podcast and he goes, I don't know how I'm keeping up. I don't know how I'm doing it. His profession is to watch wrestling and write yeah. about it. And he's going, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with it. There's so much. And we are, are, we're casual podcasters that sit down via Google Hangouts. Hey, once hey, hey, hey we're, we are professional podcasters. We are a proud part of the Realm Network. Well, yes, those are correct. However, we're fucking Bush League. Come on. <laughs> I, have you listened to other wrestling podcasts? Uh, no. Yeah, like, like there, there are good ones. There are very good ones. Yeah. Post wrestling, your your wrestling observer radios, your virtual pros, your lapsed fan. Uh, there's the Conrad series of podcasts, which are which I'll. They do nothing for me, but I know yeah. people love them. And uh, C Mark, I enjoy Talk as Jericho. Yes, uh, but when it comes to fans speaking into microphones, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the final Hangouts based episode of the oh, Rockhouse as it's telling me there in the top corner as we record this. Uh, we'll have that have reunion on, on Hangouts. It's oh wait, we can't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's been another world whirlwind week. Yes. In uh, the professional wrestling business filled with reunions, whatever a Smackville is, uh, DUIs, uh, G1s, AEWs. Yes. Uh, The the most horribly kept secret in professional wrestling. One, which, by the way, even though we've talked about it for weeks, we will not claim you heard it here first. Uh, (laughs) But uh, let's just take a look at how the week started. in what I feel like is probably the most, and again, guys, I want to love what WWE is doing, but the most damning sign of current WWE, the Raw reunion did the best rating of the year. Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised. Obviously, oh, it did. they put sixty fucking people on that show who yeah. aren't normally on it. They dusted off. Uh, they dusted off a couple questionable inclusions there as well, a- including us finding out what the fuck Alicia Fox is a legend now. 
Yeah, well, I guess the whole um, uh, incident revolving showing up drunk and wrestling and Arnie Anderson sort of thing kind of pushed her off the current roster, writing out her contract sort of thing. I don't, I don't know. Right, we we got we got Hogan out there, we got Austin out there, we got (laughs) we had John Cena kicking off the show, making fun of a DUI, which really didn't bode well for the week. Uh, There, there's part of me. <clears throat> and in case you miss it, uh, Jimmy John Uso, he got hit with a uh, a DUI again. Another Dewey. Uh, I'm wondering if the 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 mental stress and anguish of that segment caused round number two. Well, I mean, if if it was no, I'm going to say no because uh, I'm, I'm assuming has a, not, but uh, proclivity towards that. And so you know, uh, maybe you know. And, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago with the, with the Bailey interview about, you know, unionizing and driving and, and working all these sorts of things. Right. Maybe this is another incident that could lead towards some positive change for these uh, competitors. You know, they're they're out there left to their own devices, having to drive, having to get the rental, having to do all this shit. Whereas if he was in the back of a tour bus, you know, with a bunch of other, uh, you know, workers going to the next town. You know, they he wouldn't have uh, got popped, probably because he wasn't driving. He may have gotten some kind of drunken, disorderly, in public sort of thing at the hotel. Who the fuck knows? Right. But, if he's if he's taking his shirt off in the hotel lobby and threatening to fight the entire staff, that's on him. Um, and and actually, now that I think of it, I think he was in Orlando when this happened, so he wasn't on the WWE clock. Uh, okay. So, okay. So. That's- yeah, that, that that makes it actually a sadder short story well, with Jimmy you know, John Uso. If they idolize the Hardys, that's the wrong Hardy to idolize. <laughs> yeah, <buddy>. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In a world of Jeffs, be a Matt. That's all I can yeah. say. Um, yes. and, uh, and for the longest time, we all looked at him and went, he's the Genetti, right? He's definitely yeah. the Genetti. No, no. He's he's got it all figured out. Um, but yeah, the John Cena did that bit and literally hopped on a plane and went back to filming Fast and Furious Nine. Yeah. He's straight deuced out, <laughs> and then he like did, did his bit. He's like, "All right, see you later." And then you know didn't stick around for the big grand finale. He's like, "No, I did my part. I got my paycheck. I'm outies." Uh, so good on you, Johnny. Yeah, uh, get, get that money. Get that Skrilla. Like uh, like you fucking need it. Exactly. Uh, DX was there. Uh, the NWO was there. Uh, minus, minus one Billy Gunn, of course. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they let him do the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that was cool. And and apparently um, Jim Ross was invited. And right. uh, Tony Khan was like, yeah, go ahead if you want to go. And Jim Ross thought it would send the wrong message to the boys. So um, what it didn't happen. Uh, the Stooges were there. Uh, yep. with Briscoe and Patterson, although neither one were cleared for physical action, yet they did both become 24 7 champions. They did, um, as did Kelly Kelly, as did uh, Alondra Blaze, who then was threatening to throw out the title. I mean, you know, you got to stick to your gimmicks here, guys. Like the, the thing about the Raw reunion on the whole is, I think some of the booking as a one off thing was clever. Like, the, you know, throwing Briscoe and Patterson back into the, the quote-unquote hardcore title mix. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, having the belt get bought by the million-dollar man to prevent it being thrown in the truck. Like, there are some cute things throughout the show like this. Yes. However, the only instance on that entire show 
that used any of that star power to build anything was Bray Wyatt taking out Mick Foley. Yeah. And as great as Foley is, that has a tenth of the power of, say, and I mean, I know we don't like the guy, an angle with Hogan mm -hmm. or an angle with Austin or, or anything of that ilk. I mean, you and I, we tripped over our feet making fun of it on Tuesday morning, but you had an angle, which apparently was originally supposed to be for Ricochet. Right. Uh, where uh, the, the DX guys and the NWO guys were going to put over Ricochet, or in this instance, put over Seth. Instead, literally, Seth is sitting out there looking like a goober, where all the 50-year-olds are like, hey, hey, we're doing great. Like, it, it, it's just a yeah. bummer to see that's what they have for their top guy. Yeah, that that's a that's a microcosm of WWE right now. It's all the all the boys from the '90s, you know, palling around, being being great, and meanwhile, poor Seth is trying to hold the company on his back and is just left begging for more scraps at the table. It's uh, you know, it's 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 a damn shame, and you know, it would have been a great push for Ricochet had he been cleared to do it. Um, and to circle back to the Foley Bray thing. Um, it, it worked, and I kind of took that as a spiritual passing of the mandible claw torch yeah, there. Yeah, uh, you know, Mick for a while was the the weirdo, the you know, the boiler the room dwelling, yeah. yeah, sort of thing. And Bray has pretty much always been slotted in for that. Um, you know, everybody always said, you know, the next Undertaker sort of thing, but you know also the next Mick Foley and you know Undertaker's presence clearly uh much bigger and and more legendary than the legend Mick Foley but you know also kind of applies there so you know hopefully Finn Balor will be cleared for action uh a week from uh two weeks from tonight yeah uh, as we record this on uh on Sunday evening here um for SummerSlam because I think uh I think Balor and Wyatt uh could could be fun and you know Obviously, Bray Wyatt's going to win that because Balor's going away for a little bit after SummerSlam. Well, if he's well, hang on, hang on. You just said no? a sentence that makes sense logically. Yeah, I do think that Finn is leaving <laughs> for his two months stint afterwards. Victories and losses are completely up in the air until showtime. That's true. Uh, It'll be or rewritten during. So. If, if there's anything we know about the history of Bray Wyatt, it's that uh, high expectations are met with low rewards on a regular basis. Yowie um, wowie, aren't you correct? Yeah, unfortunately so. But um, the, the thing that I, I think really was the bummer uh, of that whole show beyond the Seth stuff was like you had this three hour show where really the only things that caught fire outside of uh, Steve Austin showing why he should always be given a live mic sure. um, is uh, a, the 24 seven stuff, which continues yeah. to be one of the most enjoyable things on WWE television or media period. Uh, and then the opportune beginnings of a new angle that people could probably have gotten really invested in as Samoa Joe feuds with a Samoan Joe. Yeah. I, I thought that was so awesome when, when it was like, Oh, Roman and Joey Samoa are going to throw down. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And then Roman won clean. And I have zero reason to be invested in anything else they have planned because Roman already won the, the fucking thing. Like, it's, yeah. the, why do they need to continue fighting now? There's no reason. 
<laughs> I can't no. think. I can't think of one. Um, you know, for as many bullshit finishes as they do, this would have been an opportune time to use one of them. And no, they just went for the clean spear uh, pinfall there. Uh, you know, a couple weeks. I don't even remember when it was it was the yeah it was everything's kind of blurring together right now. So it was stomping grounds was the last one, right? Yes. Yes. That was two weeks ago. So, yeah. you know, Joe, you know, eats one trouble in paradise and loses another, uh, world title match. And then, you know, uh, eight days later, he's on raw losing to a spear to, to the other Joe's who's Samoan. And yeah, like he's what's why, why should I give a fuck about Samoa Joe right now? Yeah. And, and the thing is, if you look to what they have planned for Monday night, it's a Samoan summit so they can meet together and hash out their issues without fighting. They already sure. had a match. Yeah. They, they had a match. We saw we saw things get settled. Joe ran his mouth. Other Joe came out. Second Joe won. Yeah. That's Move it. Move on. That's it. <laughs> that, that is a that is a closed loop. There no. was no it wasn't like uh, Samoa Joe got angry and started wilding out and, you know, beat it, beat him up after the bell and Samoa uh, or, or uh, uh, Roman got stretchered out and Samoa Joe looks like, you know, this crazy guy, even in a loss or, or anything that would make me want to see another fight between those two. Yeah, no, there's, there's no reason you're looking at no. it like a, like a complete zero, but it's more like, like that as an infinite fucking loop of bullshit. Um, so, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, like he's, like we said at the top of this, the, the ratings were good. Um, but the problem with that is come tomorrow night when they have none of these legends to boost their show again, they're, they're stuck with the, their lack of stars that they've uh, not created because of doing bullshit with like that. And then the part that was weird was some of this permeated into smackdown on tuesday uh the original plan for the show not what we got because we were supposed to have Shawn michaels on commentary all night long didn't happen instead Shawn michaels was used as the catalyst for uh uh it seemed like a dolph ziggler miz feud but that's not even a scheduled match right yeah so right. basically Shawn michaels came out told Dolph Ziggler he's a second-rate him, and there will be no follow-up on this yeah. beyond, again, if I look to Raw on Monday, Dolph Ziggler is having a match against Seth Rollins because he's mad about being super-kicked by Shawn Michaels. What? <laughs> How does that... And the part that I think is even more entertaining is if rumor and scuttlebutt is to be believed, this is leading to... Are you ready for this, Chris? God. Dolph Ziggler versus goldberg what yeah how does that how do you get from a to b we're in fucking l territory at this point <laughs> it shouldn't have taken that left turn at albuquerque vince what the fuck are you thinking i don't i don't want to first of all why do we need to see goldberg uh, again, especially after that piss poor performance in Saudi Arabia where he got his blood money check and knocked him fucking self out on the door like a dumbass and then got dropped on his head by the other old fuck who shouldn't be wrestling. Tell fuck us how you really feel, Chris. God damn it. I, I, fuck you, man. Not you. Not <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> this is directed towards Vince. <laughs> yeah, just just I, give me, give me a fucking reason to watch. Give me a reason to watch. 
I'm not watching right now. I'm reading recaps and watching clips. Give me a fucking reason to watch because I don't have one right now. I, I I can't. I can't. I cannot outside of, excuse me, commitments like this one <laughs> give you a logical reason to do so. There is a, there's, there's a cavalcade of professional wrestling outside of the microcosm that is WWE, which is delivering in ways that that is not. And, you know, if, if there is a concern internally and the appointment of people like Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman tells me that there is a concern internally about what everyone else is doing, they're doing a very bad job of, of solving it. I will say, though, I will say at the same time, uh, whoever pitched the, and I guess it was Vince, because apparently SmackDown was torn up and rewritten at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. Um, whoever pitched rolling back 2009 Kofi and uh, Randy Orton as the catalyst for them to have a feud, bravo. Bravo. The, the promo between them was one of the most entertaining things Kofi's done since becoming champion. I, I thought that segment was killer. I, I know that worked shooty type angles aren't everyone's cup or, cup of tea, but this was one of the instances where it felt like it worked because it was built off of a storyline uh, 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 conflict that apparently also permeated into real life. Right. And, you know, I, I'm here for that. Anytime you can get me to kind of blur the line a little bit, well done and and just reference your history in a way that yeah. makes sense i mean a lot of these performers have been there for a while so yeah. there's stuff to pull off of and you know if you're trying to recapture the base that was watching then talk about the shit that happened then and i'm not talking about carting out fucking goldberg i'm talking about like what you just said you know reference something that happened between these two people 10 years ago um yeah. that you know kind of still felt unsettled in them that they needed to to, to bring back and and have some fire for yeah yeah I, that's that's a hundred percent how i feel about this but to, yeah. to circle back to the to the bischoff and Heyman thing you know i was reading something this week about how you know bischoff isn't going to be focusing so much on control uh creative control as he is with being a liaison with fox once once smackdown goes live so you know they're putting we're putting all this stock in in Heyman and bischoff to you know cause these changes and we haven't really seen much in the week or two that they've been in charge of things to to make it seem like it's been well, worthwhile to be fair bischoff really hasn't been in, in charge yet like i think he just moved to connecticut last week so I don't think he's actually uh, we'll been see. part of a show. I mean, he was he was on he screen was during yeah. Raw reunion, but I don't think he's been involved in the show itself yet. So okay, well we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's just I I, I I don't know. And you take it. What's frustrating to me is that they WWE has so many talents on their roster that I enjoy and want to see do pro wrestling uh, <laughs> and. Yep we don't get to see that. Um, yeah. and you know, yeah, at least, at least on raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And, but and, that, but I mean, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to show up to the house show in fucking Peoria to right. see, well, you well, know, what I'm getting at is, and this week was a, a, a great example. If you watch an NXT, if you watch a two Oh five live, hell, if you watch an NXT UK, those are actually really good shows. Yes. No, they are. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch 205. I wanted to see the Gulak oh, Swerve match. Gulak Swerve is a good fucking time. But uh, I'll, I'll get to that eventually. But, you know, it. what 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 
bring this up is uh, I, I, you know, scrolling through Twitter, which God, I fucking hate that app. Uh, <laughs> I love it and I hate it simultaneously. If it went away, I'd probably be relieved, um, but it won't. So here I am. Uh, you know, I see some random podcast or fan page say, what what performers do you want to see go to WWE? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, fucking nobody. I don't want to see them be stifled and, to, to, you know, to be relegated to do some stupid hokey bullshit. And yeah. really, the and I know people are going to say what they're going to say. I'm, I'm clearly become a New Japan mark at this point, And I'm going to bring out John Moxley because... John Moxley in this G1 tournament in the what four or five matches, uh, you know, block matches that he's had just is a completely different person than yeah. any any instance of Dean Ambrose we'd ever seen. Yeah, um, because he was able to to be himself, to express himself to Jesus Christ, Xavier, chill <laughs> out um, to, to be, you know, to to be a performer and not go out there, be handed a script and say, Hey, do this, do that. Blah, 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 blah. To have the no pun intended reins off him uh, to go out and be free and to, you know, to trust in his instincts and his talents. It's been a fucking awesome delight to watch him come out of his shell and really, you know, be a fully formed performer. Whereas I think back, you know, I was watching his match with Nido earlier today and I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, je uh, jeans wearing, wife beater wearing, Dean Ambrose with his stupid hair doing his little rebound clothesline and finger guns, wacky and, line, and, and and you know the 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 plant in the Ambrose Asylum and the hot dog cart and the exploding TV and, and all this cat like hokey, strikes, yeah, and all this hokey bullshit that he got settled with, and I'm like, this guy's so fucking talented, and you know, having not watched any of his CZW independent stuff, I would have had no idea. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this version of Moxley that we're getting right now, this version of Ambrose that we're getting right now, whatever name you prefer, uh, the version of him we're getting right now isn't even like then. Back then, you know, if anything, uh, what I could say was he felt a lot like uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, like okay. if you watch his, his prime indie era promos, he had that unhinged, over-the-top, yeah. uh, well-spoken style. Um I, I'm paraphrasing a few things I, I've seen over over Twitter on the weekend, but you know, there's things I, I very much agree with. You, you look back, Dusty Rhodes, when he saw Dean Ambrose, he said, That's the coolest guy in the room. Right. That is that is the person that everyone's eyes are glued to. Vince McMahon saw Dean Ambrose and said, He's Bane. <laughs> he's he's like this weird goof who uh who doesn't want to get sick and he and he hates people and, and it's like i don't get it if you watch new japan his run so far there uh, and even the little bit he's done in aew and fuck apparently he's going to be going against josh barnett uh for gcw yeah. um you look at that and he just comes off effortlessly cool he comes off like such a larger than life guy i mean it also helps that he's in the best shape i've ever That's seen him great. in yeah but he comes off so cool, so relaxed. He's so funny off the cuff. And it's yeah. not its not that beat you over the head humor. It's just natural, funny bits. I mean, I still can't get enough of him calling Shota Shooter. 
Yeah. I mean, that that's such a 10. I mean, also how to use his middle finger. (laughs) Yes. Teach him how to use his middle finger. Basically, the fact that he's just adopted a dangerous kid for funsies is a great fucking character trait. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's fantastic. And he looks so much happier. Like, you can see it. Like, I know he tries to hide it, but at certain points, he can't because he just, you know, you can see how happy this is making it. Yeah. you, You cut back to that promo. He cut right after Double or Nothing. And he said something about this being a paradigm shift. He yeah. wasn't just talking about, oh, AEW had a good show or, or all these things. It's a paradigm shift for him. Yeah. He, he's able to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And he is becoming an even bigger star in doing so. And how did he do it? Not with writing, not with crazy characters, but by being the, and this, I know this is going to sound pompous as fuck, but by being the artist he wants to be, yeah. by being the creative talent that he wants to be, it, it speaks volumes that a guy just being allowed to kind of improvise his things is hitting on more cylinders than a team of 30 fucking writers can on a weekend, week out basis. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, you know, him he's kind of been the the eye opener you know cons- you know with his podcast with the tell all podcasts you know kind of explaining how the process really works and and how it's so stifling and and you know it's it's so many different levels for approval to get anything on tv and you know i i to a certain extent i understand why there are so many levels to do things because you know you're broadcast live every week on on major networks and stuff like that. There do have to be checks and balances in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, you're hiring these people not only for their athleticism, uh, you're hiring them for their their character work, their creativity, and you know, their artistry. You know, yeah. like you said, it sounds a little uh, a little holier than thou pompousy, but that's you know, and he, he, these were these those were Mox's words in, in his in his interview. He said, you know, I, I I need to artistically express myself in in this way or that way, and you know, being a pro wrestler on that level, there's it it's an art form. Yeah, and, and you know what, I gotta say, I I the way that John Moxley talks about those things is is in ways I never anticipated. I would have never thought the deathmatch guy or the Dean Ambrose right. guy would, would a uh, tell Chris Jericho, let me give you an amuse bouche yes. of things. Or then I, yeah. I, I caught another uh, interview he did where he uh, compared his career to an episode of Frasier. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? who is this man? <laughs> who is this very strange man? I'm, yeah. I'm starting to understand even more so why renee loves him as much as she does uh yeah i, I got him very happy yeah the the man crush is getting stronger and stronger by the week is what i'm getting at but uh to that point talking about wrestlers being wrestlers getting to bruise professional wrestling that was certainly the message that was given to the world this week as aew all elite wrestling as a part of the uh television uh what is it television the reviewers TCA. Guild? yeah the tca that's what it was television critics association yeah presentation tnt officially announced wednesday night october the 2nd aew will start live television two hours every wednesday night live on tnt um a it's going to be in our backyard yep. literally uh as the first episode <laughs> will be coming from the capital one arena which i was literally within a spitting distance of all weekend long yeah um chattertown yeah right th- right there in the middle of chattertown 
Yeah, gonna gonna see some Chinese wrestlers on that show. Yeah. OWE. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wu is going to uh, going to be there with us. San Francisco uh, sucker. Sorry. Uh, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, the title is not just going to be all elite wrestling on TNT or something right. like that. They said the the title's coming probably Wednesday night dynamite again. Yeah. Not that you heard it here first. I'm just confirming 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 yeah um yeah and and what was most exciting was they had a brilliantly produced trailer announcing the show and one of the key elements that they're pushing is this has never been done before and it's kind of been done before but it has been done at least in a very long time professional wrestling by wrestlers yeah or wrestling fans that's the angle that they're going for here and I think the the group of people that they took to this uh, presentation was key, and I think it was very smart the way they did it. They had they had the elite there, you yeah. know, Cody the Bucks, Kenny. They had uh, uh, Tony Khan there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Jungle Boy, who was a really smart inclusion, being that he's Luke Perry's son. And people lost uh, their mind at that event when they found that out. Yeah, well, and and the other thing that's kind of hilarious is how woefully unprepared the uh, reporters' room was to talk to them about wrestling right, and right, everything right. like that, um, not knowing any of wrote, uh, Cody Rhodes' history or, or anything mm-hmm. along that. Mm-hmm. Um, they also brought along Nyla Rose uh, yes. because they're pushing inclusion. You know, everybody's being representation represented and stuff like that. Uh, they also had uh, Kaya, or um, yeah, well, that's her real name, Kaya Stevens. Yeah, uh, awesome, awesome Kong. Kong. Um, who is you know coming off the new season of Glow comes out next weekend or the following weekend? So yeah, and Glow the, just got uh, Emmy nominations, right? Which she didn't. Uh, she didn't. But the show itself, but the show itself, being did. in that mix, I mean, hey, you have literally someone as part of an Emmy nominated production. Yeah. That's part of your pro wrestling show. Yeah, I mean, and uh, who am yeah. I missing? Uh, the, who I forget who else is in the photo. But uh, um, with, was it there? Uh, probably. Yeah, Paige, but he's oh, the least. Oh yeah, 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 Brandy. But Paige is the least exciting person, kind of right now in AEW. I, I, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> I really that, need that to... is the hard sell for All Out right now. If if I'm honest, I I, I like Paige a lot, but they've got to light a fire under that dude hard between now and the end of August. Yeah, I I still I still think it's smarter to have Jericho as your first champ, uh, yeah. and then have, have Paige establish himself and catch some fire and then dethrone him you know money's in the chase sort of thing but who the hell knows how it's going to go but you know they they did a good job with the presentation they answered you know all the questions and tried to explain everything that was going on in terms of pro wrestling because the majority of those people didn't know dick about pro wrestling um okay and then there's that one photo that came out um from uh the event i think tv guide took it (laughs) Honestly, they didn't look like a group of professional wrestlers. No, well, like, some people found that as a negative, though. See, I I thought that was perfect. They looked like young, hot television talent. It could have been like a Friends reboot. There, there was actually one uh, image I saw online where someone put uh, the word "elite" over top in the style of the Friends <laughs> logo. Um, <laughs> All right, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it it to me, I think that's a positive. You are basically telling the world that this is not professional wrestling as you know it. 
not huge, larger than life Andre the Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, yeah. Macho Man types. It's people yeah. who dress up nice, uh, you know, clean up nice in, in some nice suits. They look, you know, everybody they has a like unique look. Professional athletes. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's fine. Like, uh, you know, especially in, in this day and age when, uh, you know, we're, we've got less of the 80 steroid bodies in the world of sports right. and more people who do CrossFit, CrossFit and more CrossFit like that body type makes more sense. It, it It's more accessible and more understandable. And yeah, they're going to present a more athletic and unique style of professional wrestling and you know, I don't know what the rating expectations are or anything like that. Look, October 2nd, this could crash and burn 100%. Oh, yeah. No, no nothing's a lock at this point. Uh, you know, obviously, the investment they're putting into this is they're going to, you know, ride it out for a little bit uh, for something to happen. They're not going to give up on it after a couple weeks. But, you know, it's there's not necessarily going to be an overnight uh, blockbuster sort of success there. Yeah, yeah, but the the thing is, uh, this is an incredibly, incredibly exciting time to be an alternative to what is. The sky is the limit. The opportunity is wide open. I think AEW is in a place where, again, this isn't about killing WWE or taking down Vince. This isn't like it was in the Monday Night Wars. This is about setting up an alternative and saying that there's more to this sport or fake sport or whatever you want to call it than what is currently and i think that's great so so you're saying they're not trying to take food off of seth rollins table is that what you're saying <laughs> just two weeks ago about how fucking rich he is no no they're not taking <laughs> dinner off his table which one is it seth are you hand to mouth or are you just flush with cash yeah, if anything, he's probably making more money now, knowing that you know, with them knowing that he's yeah. a he's a homer, you know, exactly. like oh, good, good job. Like I'm sure with every stupid interview you he's given, deal where we double your money because we have all the cash right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure nobody's uh nobody's snatching a loaf of bread out of uh out of Seth Rollins' uh, uh cupboard in Davenport. Okay, yeah. let's uh let's, let's 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 pump the brakes on that. It's gonna be on Wednesday night. The only thing that this could possibly harm is NXT. Well, and then the rumors are that NXT may possibly show up on Fox Sports 1 as an alternative to AEW on Wednesday nights to go head to head. So we'll have the Wednesday night wars if this happens. And, uh, you know, there's rumor and scuttlebutt that uh, that 205 Live could be lumped in there as well. Or it could be a two hour NXT show with with um, people from the main roster coming down uh, and appearing down there, which I've always been okay with that, you know, because, yeah. you know, if NXT is going to, and here's the key, if NXT is going to stay at least remarkably close to the NXT we know and love, then it has a chance. Yeah. Um, so, but if, if NXT becomes just another SmackDown or Raw, then, then that's where you lose. I guess that's the, the, the big question mark. If it goes to Fox Sports 1, and it starts being a weekly TV show live. A, does the network lose some of its appeal? That's kind of the minor question. But B, does Vince start putting his wrinkly hands into the mix and yeah. Mr. Burns his way through it? Uh, like, yeah. uh, you know, that is what, not excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't think anyone knows. I, I think it's just this idea of, well, if they have TV on Wednesday nights, we'll put NXT on Fox Sports 1. Like, I, I yeah. think that's, that was the entire thing. And now this got announced and there's someone in Stamford, Connecticut right now with a pencil and a blank sheet of paper going, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to figure out what to do now. I have to figure out what to do now because I don't have cable. So <laughs> this is I have to figure out, you know, uh, if AEW is going to show up on Hulu afterwards or not. Um, do you have Hulu with live TV or standard Hulu? Just regular. I, I get Hulu free with my Spotify. So, uh, okay. Yeah, I have the commercial Hulu. It would be interesting to see uh, how uh, AEW decides to embrace um streaming uh beyond br live events if there's an idea that like the original airing is live on tnt and then the archived airing is on br live or what exactly they choose to do um that you know that's that's probably a question again again they themselves are trying to figure out i mean there's this whole hbo max thing that's supposed to be ready by early next year which you know is warner's big play into the world of streaming media tnt is supposed to feed right into that and i think one of the things you can do is go hey there is a pro wrestling streaming service that has 1.5 million subscribers maybe we should try to get some of those eyes on our new thing is is the dc thing going to be lumped into that as well uh not all of it uh what's been announced so far is what's been announced so far is the original programming is going to be on both services okay well, so I'll get to watch Doom Patrol on it because I hear great things about Doom Patrol. Yes, Doom Patrol is confirmed to be on it. But like, I don't know if having an HBO Max account will give you access to like the back catalog of comics, which is why I got a DC Universe subscription in the first place. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really know how the, the two are going to relate. And I'm sure, again, like with a lot of these things these days, no one knows yet either. <laughs> right. yeah. All coming together very uh, slowly. <laughs> kind of like the rollout of the new WWE Network this week. Yeah, I, I finally logged on today to watch NXT, and it looks uh, completely different. Uh, it was a full redesign. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Apparently, there are you know a lot of Netflix. Okay. Yes. No, a hundred percent. Or, you know, I have a fire stick and it's set up very much like the main menu, uh, as I, when I load up my fire stick as well. So, so yeah, it's similar to that. So, you know, I get it. It's familiar and and it makes sense, but, um, I've I've heard that there's a little more customization. You can, you can choose favorite superstars and, and, and stuff like that. Year to skip ahead to specific matches. Um, I was playing, around with it when i got the update on my phone and you know it i think most recent pay-per-views haven't necessarily been chopped up in this way but like if you go to a certain pay-per-view beneath the main player if you scroll down it's literally match by match listings you just tap it and it fast forwards directly to that match okay. for you which like makes how yeah like new japan world you know after if you catch the show the day or so after it airs it'll have matches broken down by match you can just click and play the match which i love yeah, so what I'm really saying is this makes making roughhouse redos all the easier because I don't need to tell people timestamps. They just need to load the damn thing. Yeah, well, so, we should probably do another one of those at some point because yeah. it's been a couple months. <laughs> it has been a little bit, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, um, speaking of NXT, what did you think of this week's show? I really liked uh, 
<laughs> Baron Corbin's Mexican equivalent and Keith Lee. I thought that match was great. Chimichanga Corbin. Yeah. Uh, Baron Corbin, non-union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> All right, Mr. Spielberg, go. Um, <laughs> no, the, now, like I said, when I saw that match live at the uh, at the NXT Bel Air show a couple months ago, those two have really good chemistry together, and I feel like they they still left some of the tank um, for a further match down the line. But I I, I did enjoy it. Like there was some really uh, really impressive feats of strength and agility in that match yes yes like uh i i definitely got some vibes from when i was a teenager watching uh bootleg dvds of kung fu movies at some points in there um <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed that a lot i'm still fucking loving heel io shirai yes. uh basically anytime i watch a segment with her i can hear justin schlegel's boner screaming from annapolis maryland yeah either uh, that or i'm having a seizure from the strobe yes light. But I, I think the strobe lights are such a great touch. By the way, uh, if you haven't been applying Google Translate to her Twitter account, you very much need to do so. She okay. tweeted last night about how she needed to get a Monster Energy. She was just like a bunch of Japanese language and then a photo of a Monster Energy drink. Translated it. She had to buy a Monster Energy drink after the show because all the salt in her body was lost from all of the salty fans crying over what she had done to her opponent that night. Beautiful. Yeah, she needed she needed to replenish herself. See, now that's that's doing that's doing Twitter right. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, the app, the apps, the apps, the worst. You know, there was another, you know, good old corny had another productive weekend going after um, the new breed of pro wrestlers. First, Joey Ryan, which you know I, I could give or take Joey Ryan, but then he went after Jordan Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do not fucking Chris is Jordan Grace. <laughs> And Mr. Corny, I had a bit of an issue. And Lance Storm as well. I was like, S slow your fucking roll, Lance. Okay, you know what you're dealing with here? This is the Jordan Grace, or yes. Trisha Parker, as it were, yes. uh, which is the genesis of that whole thing. Um, you know, it, God, Twitter fucking sucks. Look, Jim Cornette knows what side of his bread is buttered, and I've recognized how much of it is a fucking work. I mean, if we didn't know it when the Bucks basically said that after all of that back and forth, Cornette reached out to them privately. He was like, we can make a bunch of money together. Like, <laughs> congratulations, guys. When you sit there and you hop on Twitter and you go to uh, Mr. Larry Otto's gifts and you see a cool spot and you go, oh, look at this at Jim Cornette. They're killing the business. You are feeding directly into his pocketbook. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Mark. <laughs> I don't like using insider terms like that, but yeah, that's yeah. that's what's happening there. Um, one more thing before we go into G1. Uh, this past weekend, MCW had a weird bit of uh, roughhouse-related synergy going on. Yeah, uh, they did. They had a little WrestleFest action at a food truck festival in Timonium, Maryland yesterday. Yes, indeed. And uh Roughhouse past and present coming together as uh, Mr. Schlegel has joined forces with the cartel, part of which Lord Diaz is my very own cousin. What a <laughs> small world this is. Yeah, small tomorrow and Maryland Championship Wrestling coming together. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Justin had a match with his producer uh, to avenge his loss to his prior producer. Um, to avenge, I guess, another loss from when I beat him being his producer all those years ago. He does not have a good track record against producers. Yeah, it, it almost says <laughs> something about the state of radio, talent versus producer. Hmm. Holy shit. Do you watch Bob's Burgers? I 
I do watch Bob's Burgers. I love Bob's did, Burgers. Did you watch the last season of Bob's Burgers? I'm a few episodes behind. Did you watch the one with the radio, uh, the radio oh. jock? Oh, oh, I, I love anything involving radio jock based humor. Okay. Not only is it an episode with a disgruntled former radio jock, but it's voiced by Nick Offerman. Uh, and as oh. the hugest Parks and Rec fan, you probably know <laughs> that episode so of Bob's Burger with Ron Swanson playing a pissed off former uh, radio uh radio worker who got replaced by an automated dj that episode spoke to me on a primal fucking level from my days in the evening or my nights rather uh five six years ago running the mobcast which was uh, a terrible idea for a nighttime radio show where where by a monkey no, yes, I was the mob monkey. Uh, the mob monkey was was the host there wasn't of the show. An actual hired chimp. There was not a hired chimp. I'm pulling back all kinds of curtains here. So it was uh, a pretend that was sent to me when I sent a self dressed stamped envelope. <laughs> I did. We gave out fucking bananas with mob cast <laughs> stickers. Yes, that is a hundred percent a thing we did. This was radio in 2012 um, or 15. I don't remember when the fuck it was. It was probably like 14 or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I sat in the studio all night and played uh, monkey sound effects over requests that um, I have recorded using stupid voices. Because <laughs> wow. nobody fucking called. Because <laughs> nobody listened. Because it wow. was terrible. Wow. Wow. I- this just makes me double sad that Indy 979 has gone. Anyway. Uh, oh God. Yeah. So, so yeah, go watch that episode of Bob's Burger if you want to know why I'm a, a disgruntled former radio employee myself and have much bettered myself both personally and professionally since leaving that shithole of a business. Also, I didn't know you were Pat Patterson. You're doing a lot of Bob's Burger there. <laughs> Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're going to love it. The fans are going to go banana. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got all fired up. I got all okay. Fired up. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, G1 talk. Let's get into it. Yes. Three G1 shows this past week. One on Wednesday. One on Saturday. And another mm-hmm. in the wee hours of this morning, Sunday. Uh, I mean, again, three really good shows. Uh, Wednesday. Uh, the highlights were the big uh, Naito Ishi match, mm-hmm. um, and the first. I think it was the first time throwdown. I know they were both in DG USA at the same time, but I think it was the first time they went against each other. John Moxley and Shingo Takagi had a really great match. Yeah, that one that one was good. I I felt like there was more that could be done. Uh, you know, it didn't go out and steal the show, but it was still the second best match on that night uh, in terms of, of the blocks there. I had that at three and a half stars. Um, I had Jeff Cobb and uh, Switchblade at three. Yeah. I thought that was pretty damn good. Yes, that was really, really fun. A match uh, of the night. Fucking yeah. Ishii. God damn yeah. it. G- G1 season is Ishii season, man. That, Such a beast. That, that grumpy, grumpy man. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the convention this weekend, day one, I saw somebody wearing a Stone Pitbull shirt, and I nice. was unbelievably happy. And there was part of me that was like, does he actually know what it's about? You'd but, hope so. You'd I mean, so. it's a great nickname, regardless of who it's about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, it, like, the shirt... Definitely looked like it could be not wrestling related, which right. made me wonder. How that like happened. if Aaron Judge from the Yankees was known as the Stone Pitbull, I would I would still think that's a pretty cool nickname, despite my ever loving hate of the Yankees and Aaron Judge. So, fair. 
Um, so last night, or I guess two nights ago, Saturday, Saturday uh, yeah. we had night nine of the G1 climax, including uh, one of those matches where you're like, on paper, no way this is going to be great. And it turned out to be really fucking great with Abushi and Lance Archer, man. Yeah. Where did this Lance Archer come from? All G1, night ones. <laughs> Fucking Osprey put a pep in his step. That dude's been shockingly a joy to watch. Well, I think part of what's made those matches so good is they don't overstay their welcome. Um, none of them have been super long, to my recollection. Um, you know, a lot of these G1 matches have a tendency to to go in the 20 minute mark, which isn't always necessary. You know, sometimes shaving four or five minutes off some of those matches would just take them up to another level. But you know, uh, that, that is what it is. And it comes with the, the territory of doing, you know, this tournament style, but yeah, Archer and Ibushi was really fucking good. Um, Sonata and Tanahashi, I oh. thought it was fantastic as well. Um, like we've talked a lot about Sonata. Sonata is one of those guys that when he's on, he's one of the greatest in the game. Yeah. Uh, Hashi made sure that boy was on. Um, I I loved that match. I I, I mean, <laughs> it, I, I I recognize how much of probably these G one segments sound the same. It's a because I don't want to spoil everything for everyone because I honestly right. believe any of these matches sound intriguing to you. It's less than ten dollars to sign up for New Japan World, and there's a nice little button there at the top that lets you switch it over to English, and you can pay via PayPal. It couldn't be easier. It's a very um, easy interface to, to get in and out of. But yeah, Tanahashi was, you know, he was bringing it. You know, he was he was keeping up for the for the old the old ace. Uh, you know, still has a couple cards up his sleeve. Um, and then it was main evented by, you know, Okada, who is widely regarded as one of the best, if not the best, pro wrestler going in the world right now, against Kenta, who had a lot of question marks coming into the G1 tournament, and a lot of those question marks have been erased in his four matches or five yeah, matches yeah. at this point. Five now, yeah. Five, yeah. So, um, you know, that was a hell of a match. Uh, they were beating the shit out of each other. He really put Okada through the ringer, man, um, and Okada gave it right back to him. As, as a longtime Japanese wrestling nerd, I mean, that was a dream match on paper when uh, the blocks got set that this was one of the matches I was looking forward to the most. Uh, just finally getting to see, uh, you know, the the uh, basically the present and future of professional wrestling in Okada against the guy who could have been, if not should have been the future of professional wrestling in Kenta. And uh, all of the angst surrounding that certainly came out in Kenta's kicks that night. Brutal. Uh, uh, I, I think the thing that's been really entertaining for me about the G1 is, and I've seen some people say it's like, oh, Kenta's lost a step. It feels like the way that the tournament's been working is he's slowly becoming more and more of a full-on prick as yeah. the tournament goes on. I think that's intentional. I don't think it's like, oh, he's stuck between being a baby face because people are happy to see him and trying to do his old stuff and makes him a dick. I think he, I think that's supposed to be the struggle of his character right now that, you know, on one hand, he's this beloved, you know, Japanese sure. wrestler returning, but Kenta's going to Kenta and yeah. uh, he's going to kick your fucking chest off. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're the one who made the foolish decision to get in a ring with him. Yeah, yeah, and you know to to further that, or I guess to counterpoint it, you know, there's a, a little sh show of respect yeah. after the match uh, as well. So that was, you know, 
as as a fan of both those guys, that was something uh, something good to see. But that that match, one of the best of the tournament, um, and the best of night nine, in my opinion. And then today, uh, so I guess it was Sunday morning is when yeah. it came on, but it was Sunday night in Japan because they're a fucking day ahead of us. Uh, B block action, um, you know. Toriano got another one of his uh, his fun, quick little roll up victories over uh, Hiroki Goto, which, Goto which was won. Goto won that. Goto won. Yes, Yano Yano uh, low blowed Goto, but then Goto grabbed the leg and used it to roll up Yano. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking of well, he rolled up Juice, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. But again, no, no, it was Jay White. Oh, sorry. Uh, but it was, it was it was a, a quick match. Yeah, another quick comedy match. Basically, uh, on the A block, your off night is against uh, uh, Fale. On oh. the B block, your night off against is with Yano. So yeah, no, I got that. Yes, uh, but Send the the, <laughs> the match that surprised the fuck out of me. I mean, it shouldn't because G1 Ishi time. But Tamahiro Ishi and Juice Robinson had a fucking war. G1 juicy time, really, because yeah. Juice has really uh, got all the respect for me uh, through this tournament. You told me in 2015 I would be a huge fan of CJ Parker. Oh. I would have said, what's a CJ Parker? And then when you reminded me he's the hippie guy in NXT, I would have went, why the fuck would I like that guy? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense on paper, but man, the guy really uh, upped his game and goes chop for chop with fucking Ishii. Yeah. That's that's a guy that you don't want to fuck with. Um, those those their chests were like hamburger meat by the end of that match, and it was chopped to the throat from Ishii oh, to Juice. Oh, oh, and then he gave him one back. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was brutal to you know to withstand that amount of pain and still perform at that level is uh, a hell of a trait. And I really enjoy watching Ishii slap the shit out of people. It's, yeah. it's, it's a great pastime. Highly recommend you all get on that. Um, tai Chi and Jeff Cobb was, was pretty good. Yeah. You know. Tai Chi is always hit or miss. So yeah. You know, and, and Cobb, you know, Cobb's kind of the same way, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how well they they melded together. It was it was fine match. It was you know a completely fine match. But then we had Jay White and Shingo Takagi, which was again really yeah. good. I love Jay White's look. I don't know. I don't. I think now he that he has the beard. It's perfect. The beard is perfect. And I like the the textured tights and you know with the with the tick marks on there. And I, I I you know I just think it's I think it's a solid look. Um and you know Shingo is just a fucking beast and I love him to death. Um and the match was fantastic. Go watch it. Yes, and then the main event was one of those dream matches that you never ever thought you'd see. Fucking John Moxley and our boy Nido. Uh, fucking Nido, slow clap for Nido. Yeah, yeah. Winning match of the night before the match even started with <laughs> his, you know, he came out full, you know, suit cape bit. Took his sweet ass time getting to the ring, taking the most sarcastic baby steps you've ever seen. It was fucking glorious, and then just fucking slowing down to the point of taking off all of his extra clothes to the, it, it was almost like a family guy bit. Uh, Cause he was, you know, 
he would do a butt and then you know do the finger one minute just one just, well, just, just well, one minute did you see the the tag match from saturday i know we don't typically watch the tag matches but did no you i skipped through them saturday? uh when nido was coming to the ring for yeah. the, the tag match he had uh, i forget who he's teaming with against um uh shooter and uh moxley but but uh yeah that that feels right yeah. uh she Shingo, uh, or not Shingo, sorry. Naito was doing just little tiny baby steps down the ramp. <laughs> it's God tier level trolling. It's yeah. just the most fantastic. Like, and Mox is just losing his mind in the corner. Just like, come on. He's, he's like, he's going to pop a blood I, vessel I, I, in his, in his he face. Did, he didn't corpse at some point and just start, you know, giggling at it. Because I'm sure there's part of Moxley that was marking out about that. Oh, of course. Well, I, you know, he's such a fan of, of you know, the business and these guys that I would imagine he was. But he really he really sold it. And the match was really fucking good. They they really uh, they, they laid into each other. It, the brawling, the you know, the around the ring and out of the I feel like maybe they overdo it a little. It doesn't have to be in, in almost every match. It seems like it's it's happening very frequently. And I don't know yeah, if that's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that's the idea of, oh, that's what Moxley's supposed to be. Well, not just for him, but like, you know, for other other matches as well. Yeah. Um, I will say the thing that Naito has is, you know, having worked Lucha for a few years, I think yeah. a little bit more of the ability to hang with that. Yeah. Um, um, akin to also an Ishii, you know, who had knocked down drag out brawls with a lot of guys. Like, there are certain people who are better at that style. Naito is definitely one of them, even though he's willing to be a risk taker and such. He does do a really good brawl, and this was a fine example of it. I did enjoy the running drop kick when, uh, when Mox was in the chair. That was pretty fantastic. Yes. And Moxley trying to do the tranquilo pose was 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, and holy fucking shit, John Moxley is leading B block. Yeah. Your your, your current block uh, uh, aces on, on each side with 10 points each are Okada in the A block and Moxley in the B block. Are we going to get Okada Moxley as the finals? Like, I, I, I went into this almost assured. It's going to be a Bushi, and if it's not, right. it's going to be Naito. What the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm working at the standings now, and G1 math is a fucking pain in the ass to figure out. There's only yeah. two matches left. I I have to feel like someone's going to spoil Okada, and really the only person who could do it is Kenta. I was going to say, yeah, I have a feeling it'll go down to Okada and Kenta again in the A block finals. Um, and then Kenta would, I guess, beat him in that. Uh, but Okada has a tiebreaker over him. Does that count against him? Yeah. Uh, if if they have a tie, it goes to Okada because Okada beat him in the tournament. So it would be just the time limit draw sort of thing. Right, right, right. If, if Kenta clean, or pins Okada clean, then he goes to the to the final. He wins the block and goes to the finals. Right. Um, I don't feel like Tanahashi is going to pull it out. E Evil, surprisingly, three and two, as well as Kota Ibushi. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess Ibushi could run his last four matches. Yeah. And end up, uh, you know, up there as well. Um, let's see. Ibushi has yeah, what? six also. Uh, look, I have the stands in front of me. A block right now is Okada at 10, Kenta eight, Evil, right. Tanahashi and Ibushi tied with six, Archer and Osprey tied with four, and then Sonata, Saber, and Fale all tied with two well who hasn't ibushi faced yet he okay. hit Ken he had kenta he had okada Did, he hasn't he had, had hashi yet has he uh 
I don't think that's happening. I don't yet. think Kota and Tana has happened. He's had Osprey. That, that would be the rematch of the. Um, he has had Archer. He hasn't had Fale yet either, has he? Uh, I don't think he has. I can't recall. All these days of wrestling are like flowing into one. It does. I know we're getting Osprey Saber on Wednesday or Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I think. So yeah. I'm stoked for that. That'll that'll be fun. Um, so that's A block. Then B block, like you said, Mox has the lead. Um, yeah. Juice and Ishii are tied with six. Yeah. Then Shingo, Yano, Taichi, Naito, Cobb, Goto, and White all have four. Yeah. So, so it's, there's a lot happening on that B block there. But I guess, you know, it's going to be tough to, 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 to track down Moxley at this point. It makes me wonder if Okada will win because – I don't know that that's happened before. If Okada will will be the reigning IWGP champion to win G1 and then call out his own opponent for Tokyo Dome. I thought about that earlier today. So if that is the case, Okada wins a block, then wins the whole thing, and then you know he gets to call a shot, does he call out Kenneth Omega? I I think that's that that would send the wrestling world into a tizzy. But Chris, allow me to toss out the same idea. Okay. He gets his title shot. And then in the first ever intergender main event at the rest at Wrestle Kingdom, it's Okada against Jordan Grace in a I mean, battle for Chris's love. I'm I'm selling I'm I'm selling everything I own and I'm moving to Japan if that's the fucking case. <laughs> I'm selling the cat. I'm selling my prize pop vinyl collection. I'm selling uh uh, an iPhone 3G that I still have laying around here that does it still works. It's functional. It's very very tiny. Uh, you just have to charge it. You can still use a Wi-Fi with it. It's not activated or anything. I'll sell that. Um, what else I got? I have an empty tub tub of Fisher's popcorn with uh, caramel, no nuts. In case anybody's uh, anybody's interested, what else? What else can I sell? I've got a got a lint roller covered in Xavier hair. Uh, I've got an undisputed era uh, Christmas tree ornament. <laughs> it can be yours if you can get me to Japan to see Kazuchika Okada and Jordan Grace. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> the Rough House Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at Rough House SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Rough House Podcast. Become a donor to The Rough House at patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast. And check out our videos at youtube.com backslash channel backslash capital U C E G J 2 1 N lowercase w capital G lowercase k capital P M lowercase l capital D N 7 lowercase c 3 lowercase r lowercase f U V Q. This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod- House uh podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. And Marty? The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. 
Are you looking for a gimmick enhancement? Want to try something new with an air of class, refinement, and nobility? Well, look no further than Mr. Fancy Pants English Nobility Gimmick Finishing School. Lord Stephen Regal, Earl Robert Eaton, and Hunter Hurst Helmsley are all proud graduates of our world-renowned program. You'll learn to curtsy, apply overly long finishing holds, and gain an exceptionally average physique. You'll earn an appreciation for Victorian era ankle-length robes, awkward British references that your hayseed audience will not understand, and gain permanent mid-card status. Mr. Fancy Pants English Nobility Gimmick Finishing School will turn you into quite the little shit.